Hello again, my queens, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the White Lotus Blooms podcast. So for this second episode in the series of What Do You Deserve? I had to draw for Ms. Lauren, right? Veteran Lauren Hill to kind of talk to us a little bit today. Um, Lauren is talking about things, especially as it relates to the mindset that we sometimes end up being in, in love spaces. Lauren says, what you want might make you cry. And then she asked the question, when it hurts so bad, why does it feel so good? And that's my question to us today and to all of you who are listening. Why? How come we sometimes reach a point where we almost romanticize the drama of it all? The break up, to make up, to break up again and to stop talking for two weeks and then get back together and then proposal after the breakup and woof, just a whole host of excitement and a whole lot of drama. Who taught us? I love to ask that question. Who taught us to value this kind of a, you know, chaotic love? Who taught us that this is sexy and this is, you know, the passion in it is something that we should, we should hold on to? I think it can be extremely negative. And I don't, I don't only have to posit my opinions on the matter. Because if it is that you watch the news any at all, whether you're in Jamaica or you're overseas, I'm sure you can point to at least a couple new stories in recent months where there have been... Um, breakups which have ended with maybe a murder of one party or murder suicide unfortunately in some cases and so I'm not trying to be overly dramatic but it is so important for us to manage romantic relationships properly to the best of our abilities because unfortunately they can go really bad if we don't and I've sat across from women and from men and from couples and from the children of the union of men and women for the better part of 10 years and some of the stories are literally, literally, I feel like my heart breaks when I hear some of the stories of what has, you know, what has obtained and what has become the reality of two people who were once head over heels in love or something like love with each other. And so for today's topic, I'm focusing on why are you showing up in love in the way that you are? Why? I hope you would have had a chance to listen to part one of this series. We're focusing on what do you deserve. And as I mentioned in the first episode, I feel like deserve is a beautiful word because deserve calls into question the value that you place on yourself. And if it is that you value yourself in a positive way, then you come to understand and cherish the fact that you deserve everything that is good. You are worthy. That's another beautiful word that I love. You are worthy of all good things, including good love. And love that does not seek to hurt you or, or is not careless in hurting you and, and, and not caring, right? And so for today, I want us to kind of run through what are some of the reasons why sometimes women, I'm focusing on us today, ladies, sometimes we do not show up in a high value way in relationship spaces, in courting and dating spaces. What are some of those reasons? And I have a couple that keep coming up in my conversations, whether in therapy with women or couples, or whether just talking to my girlfriends, or whether examining some, some of my own failed love stories. I'm going to start off with this very powerful one. Fear of the S word. And that particular S word is single. Fear 
of singleness. There are some people, unfortunately, who view singleness almost in the same way that they view SDIs. To not be booed up, to not have a man, to not have a bae is for them almost next to death. To not be able to go out with a, um, a friend who is a couple and also you know, be coupled up is devastating to some people's psyche. And if that's you, I, I, I'm encouraging you to start the journey today or to continue the journey if you've started before of examining why it is that you're so terrified. Why is it that you are so averse to being alone? I, f I feel like many people oftentimes feel like being alone automatically means that you are lonely all the time. And that's not true. Do you enjoy your own company? That's something that everybody needs to come to be able to do, whether in a relationship or not. Because the fact is that your partner cannot humanly meet every single element of your needs. It's just not doable. And if it is that we're viewing um, a relationship as being that one thing that will give us everything that we've ever wanted, companionship and prestige and self-worth, then it can be hugely problematic to start out with. So if you were not, um, if you had, didn't have a chance to listen to part one of this series, I'm going to ask you to go back and listen to it perhaps after this, but definitely get part one in. And more importantly, I'm going to ask that you do the assignment, which is to get your pen, your paper, your pencil, whatever it is, and to start writing down what it is that you're experiencing in the love space now in one column and in the other column, what is your big, ultimate, beautiful, wildest dream of what is possible in love for you. Don't hold back anything. Just in the same way that you would write a, a huge number on a blank check, I want you to write down what it is that you ultimately want for yourself. And I want you to compare those two columns. Yeah, I want you to write down how you want to feel in the love space as well. Do you want to feel cherished and valued? These are such beautiful and powerful words. And in the other column, how are you, how are you feeling now? How are you being made to feel in the love space right now? And I want you to take off all filters and look at those two columns in the most objective and honest way that you can. And for, if, if you need some help, I have a resource that I have prepared on the White Lotus Blooms website, which is called the Leveling Up in Love ebook, which already has the questions and the prompts and the spaces for you to respond to help you to write down, first of all, who you are, what is valuable about you, how do you see yourself, and then to go through the next sets of um, questions and assignments in the book for you to write down, you know, what have some of your bad experiences been? What are some of the things that you learned in childhood about love and what do you ultimately want is, is, is the part at the end of the journey. So it's a very comprehensive resource. Check it out if you can. So fear of being alone is one of them. And if it is that you're experiencing that, I want you to start teasing out in your mind in the most honest and courageous way possible because guys, it takes a lot of honesty and courage to really look yourself in the mirror and say, girl, you know, say you have the little issue. Girl, you know that this is true though. Like, I do have this. Like, if I'm not in a relationship, I get freaked out. And so sometimes, perhaps, even before I am ready, like after a breakup, even before I am really ready and fully healed, I may have, you know, a proclivity to jump into another one because I just can't deal with the notion of not having somebody calling me, texting me in my space and the butterflies in my stomach and all that good stuff. So fear of being alone oftentimes contributes to us not operating in, in a high value way in relationships. Another one 
is this big fear that look here a good man really scares out a road and what I want is not really attainable I, I don't, I'm not really sure I'm going to get that in a man so I'm going to take the next best thing before I end up with zero this ladies and gentlemen is what you call a scarcity mindset and whether it's with money where you don't believe that you'll ever have enough and so you're always pinching and saving or you know you're not setting any wise financial goals because you never believe you will ever have enough it is a, a very limiting mindset to have in any area of life that there will just not be enough for me personally I am fighting this mindset by tapping into the abundance that I know exists and my faith informs that belief that I have that there is always more than enough because I believe in God and I believe that God is the source of everything that we see and that we don't see and that there can never be any shortage in him. So there is no shortage of good man and even if there is, there's one out there with my name upon him. You get what I'm saying? And so you have to find your own way, depending on your belief system, etc., to really fight the scarcity mindset. But ultimately, you haven't dated everybody. So you don't know for sure that there is no good man left out there in the whole world. And sometimes, too, we tend to pigeonhole ourselves and just focus on very small areas in which we live, which, which is not realistic and it's not helpful. There is a great big world out there where people travel across borders every hour, of every day people are traversing the borders of the of, of the universe and so realize that there's so much out there there are so many people out there who are on this journey to of leveling up and so the belief that there is someone for you there is someone for whom you are a good fit and someone who is a good fit for you that belief alone and holding it there and cherishing that belief makes the difference in terms of what we accept because sometimes we don't believe and so we're always like well he's close enough you know he's not hot but he's lukewarm so yeah i'm gonna just roll with this and that's not doing anybody any favors and so it's critical to start off with an empowering belief with an expansive and abundant belief first of all that what it is that we're seeking is also seeking us as Rumi says, yeah, because of this fear that there is nobody else, you know, sometimes we do the very, um, the very basic, <laughs> the very basic dance of, 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 um, saying things like, well, at least he calls me back when he says he's going to call me back. Well, at least he's not beating me. Well, at least he's not cheating on me that I know of. Well, at least he's got a good job. Well, at least he likes his mother. And we don't step on this well, at least. Why is it that we are only expecting the very least from a partner that perhaps we're looking to start a whole life with? If it is that our expectations of anyone are low, we're not leaving room for them to grow. We're not leaving room for ourselves to grow. Because remember now, you know, he's doing the, he's doing the least. And so if you are over there trying to do the most with your life, there is going to be a mismatch. And ladies and gentlemen, that mismatch can become the ultimate force that can dismantle a relationship in the worst way possible. Sometimes the unspoken mismatch can breed resentment and resentment that's oftentimes not dealt with. 
And so it's so important to hold yourself to high standards and to hold your partner or prospective partner to high standards. So I want us to start abolishing this mindset that, well, at least, if you start off just celebrating the least, then I don't know that anybody, homeboy or anybody is going to be, you know, motivated to give you, to offer you, yeah, um, the most. And more importantly, when you want to do the most with your life and with yourself in your career, in your personal development, in your financial life, etc., spiritual life, what's going to happen? Because he's just over there doing the least and you started off giving him every award, every Grammy, every Oscar because he was just doing the least. Yeah. Another reason why we tend to show up in low value ways in relationship spaces is the psychological phenomenon called repetition compulsion. This was put forward by Freud. Everybody knows about Freud because Freud had some theories that were like, oh, what kind of pervert comes up with this stuff? That's how some people view him, right? But I believe Freud was fully onto something when he spoke about repetition compulsion. And what it is, the theory speaks to the fact that human beings have oftentimes an unconscious um, desire, a compulsion to repeat, to continue playing out negative stories and negative patterns of behavior that came from early childhood experiences with our parents or with our caregivers. Long and short of it is that I experienced repetition. I became aware of repetition compulsion in my own life when maybe about 12, 14 years ago, like a good while back, I was, I don't remember where I was, but I remember having a a, a snap realization like it boxed me in my face that I have developed a pattern of being attracted to unavailable men and that was coming straight from my childhood because my father has been and is still in many ways emotionally unavailable present physically but for all intents and purposes not emotionally available not warm not engaging just you know what I mean and so I saw a pattern developing that I had to nip in the bud and that was a part of my own experience that really spurred me into action to create a space like White Lotus Blooms to help other women who may experience something similar and probably still have not yet um, realized what it is. I became so aware that that was what was happening for me because a part of me had become comfortable. It had become so familiar, the dance of, you know, he doesn't think I'm enough. Because that's what I walked away from my childhood experiences with my father believing. He doesn't think I'm enough. And so ultimately, I started to become attracted to that same pattern of men who didn't think I was enough. Or men who were not able to honor my value as I like to say. So you can like me, you can desire me, but you don't have the resources to really honor my value. Because you're either taken, you're either not emotionally available and you choose not to be. Or some other variation. Yeah? Them just care give me what I deserve to have. And I was drawn to spaces like those. And I hope somebody out there may be having an aha moment, not to make me feel good, not to make you feel good, but to make you realize that this pattern is real and is wrecking my life and I need to put a stop to it, yeah? So that's a very powerful one. And emotional unavailability is just one of the things that we can be playing out from our childhood. Sometimes it can be abusive, stories coming from childhood and we're drawn to men who are overly dominant who want to subdue us men for whom our power is intimidating 
um, a whole host of possibilities exist there. But sometimes if we look closely enough, if we're open enough to examining our experiences, we can see a clear link to where it's coming from and a clear link to our childhood experiences or to previous relationship experiences, right? Another thing that can cause us to settle is poor self-concept. So sometimes we just have not been doing the work, the very hard work, but the very necessary work of coming to terms with who we are and loving all of it, all of us, embracing all of who we are, all of who we have been and all of who we can become. And it's so critical because we can only accept whatever fits into our concept of ourselves. If our self-concept is too small, then we cannot grow beyond that point of smallness in accepting things into our lives, especially in the relationship space. Because imagine somebody who doesn't think that they're worthy of a particular type of man, a good type of man. Imagine that man reaching out to you to, 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 to lavish you with the love that he wants to give you. I, I promise you, it can be a recipe for you to push him away with a surety and with a force that will just devastate both of you. Because a part of you might be like, what are you stupid? Like, what? How can he be wanting to give me all of that? How can he be wanting to treat me this well? Something must be wrong with you. And then we start with the deflecting. Oh, like, are you gay? Like, have, has anybody ever, like, you know, what's going on with you? Why are you so... And sometimes, out of that same dynamic, we fall into this, this, this pattern of um, demonizing the good guys because they're too nice and they're too good. Because a part of us has unfortunately fallen into the pattern of loving the drama of the bad boy. Because it does something for us. It's familiar to us in some types of ways. And we have to be very careful of these dynamics. Especially for the ladies who are listening who are mothers. It's even doubly or triply important to become aware of these things and catch them. Because this not only has implications for you, this has implications for your daughter or your son who is looking on. And so it's so important for you to leave a legacy of high-value behavior and high-value mindsets in your children. And the other one that I want to share with you, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to hearing your guys' um, feedback in terms of you know whether you think these are factors or not in your own space for why you sometimes maybe now show up in a low value way is the pressure that society sometimes puts on us as women sometimes we, we internalize it and put it on ourselves and put it on each other that pressure of oh the calendar um your biological clock is ticking um the pressure of by a certain age you should be married and you should become a mother the pressure of, I can't wait till it's too late. Oh my God. Ladies, that's a whole nother podcast which I'm committing to doing, right? You have to write your own story. And my experience with a life-threatening illness has taught me to value every single breath. On a bigger scale, it has taught me to become very intimately in love with the notion of my purpose. I am here for a reason. And whether it sounds morbid or not, I will not be here forever. None of us will be, right? That's the, that's, the, that's the surprise of it all. None of us will be here forever. We don't know how long we have. 
And so we have to pack as much life and as much purpose for living into every single year that we have on this earth. And so I believe that if it's in my destiny to have children, I will have children. And especially with medical advances, I don't concern myself too much with the, oh my God, I'm becoming, you know, 40 soon, or um, I'm not yet married, etc. I try to spend my energies focusing on the fact that I have things to accomplish. And yes, um, marriage and parenting are a part of what I, I envision for myself. But on the other hand, there is, no, there is no real value in pressuring myself beyond what is necessary because I don't control everything. That's number one. And number two, what is mine will come to me. And number three, I believe that my life is written and scripted by larger hands than mine. And that trust that I have helps me. It's not always easy, but it helps me to let go of the pressures that people will, you know, sometimes want to just drop in a conversation, yeah? Um, when are you going to, when are you going to listen? If my life was fully aligned right now for all those things, I would have all those things. I believe that. And so I am in no rush at this moment to accomplish, um, quote unquote, accomplish any of these things before the time is right, because I believe in divine timing. And I believe that there are things that I need to do and I should be doing to make sure that my life is fulfilling to make sure that I have established who I am before I try to be sharing this in a, in a permanent way with another person. And so singleness for me, whenever I am single, it is not at all a death sentence. It is a space and a time to live, to continue living because life goes on. And I would love for my ladies who are listening to reach that point where if it is that you find yourself single, if it is that you're between relationships, if you want to call it that, um, to really just realize that there are things that you can do and you should be doing if it is that you want to be in preparation for a union. Prepare yourself. Become more acquainted with yourself. Love yourself more. Achieve your goals. Travel the world. See new places. You know, establish your purpose points. Apart from your nine to five, what, what do you think you're really here to accomplish? Be about that life. Because I, I believe that once it is that you're in that vein of living your best life, then things become attracted to you and people become attracted to you who are supposed to be a part of your purpose. But if you feel as though you have to park almost on the roadside because you don't have bay or you don't have boo or you're not married yet, that, that, that kind of stagnant thinking, I don't think, is a receptive space for a beautiful love story to be born. Yeah? And so I'm encouraging all of us today, if it is that you find that you are not showing up in the best possible space, the best possible way in the love space, think about some of these reasons. See if any of them fit. No judgment coming from me at all because we all have our work to do. And it's, it, it's a sign of maturity to be willing to do the work. Yeah. So I am here as a willing and excited resource for all of you who may need my help. Please feel free to reach out. Please reach out with your comments. How did you find this podcast? Anything else you'd love for me to touch on, to expand on? I am here and looking very forward to serving all of you. Have an excellent, excellent rest of the day. And please stay tuned for part three of this series in What You Deserve. Thank you for listening, loves.